On this episode of Documental, I'm speaking with John Pearson, a brand strategist who runs the brand studio called Cult Method. John, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me on, Alejandro. I wanted to start this episode with uh, a tweet that you put out that I think would start our conversation nicely. You said, in life, being well-rounded makes you more interesting. In branding, you need to be known for one thing. Lots of people struggle with this fact, but here's the good news. If you're smart about what that one thing is, you can use it to branch off and do other things on the back end. Could you walk us through this tweet? Um, I, sure, I can, I can definitely try. Yeah, I, I, I guess where that is, is coming from is really personal experience, both you know, branding myself and my own business, but also um, helping other businesses with, with their branding. Um, and and it's, it's quite common because whenever, whenever you're trying to build a really strong brand, the, the one thing that you really need to start doing if you're not doing so already is, is niche down and, and, and find that one area of expertise that you are really good at and that you can kind of dominate. But a lot of people, and especially I think um, consultants and, and, and people who um, get paid for their thinking, they don't really want to, to do that. They, they resist the idea of, of narrowing down. Um, and I think it's got to do with, I, I think like creative people in general and, and, and people who like to, to do a lot of thinking, um, they, they always want to try new things and they don't want to get stuck in the same, you know, solving the same problems or doing the, the exact same work. So in, instead, they, they, you know, make themselves out to be these, these generalists like, oh, hey, I'm an expert at everything, which I don't think really anyone is, is buying. Um, and it, it just makes it a lot more difficult. It becomes an uphill battle uh, when you are trying to, to get known for something. It's a lot easier to get known for one thing than to be known for, for everything. I've noticed a dichotomy between your real world, quote unquote, and your digital world where, you know, you might be somebody that's multi-talented and a lot of interests, somebody that's creative, like you said, uh, and it's very hard to translate that into the online world where you start a business on one thing. So they, they struggle to pick one ability, one skill that they've cultivated over time. Uh, I guess this takes a lot of introspection and kind of just picking something, right? <laughs> From a practical yeah. standpoint, how do you actually do it? <laughs> Right. Well, I, I think it's very difficult to to do this on your own and to just pick something. Um, to to be to be honest, it it, it can be such a nerve wracking thing because you're going back and forth and oh, do I really want to spend you know the next five, ten, maybe even like twenty years doing this this one thing and getting really good at it? Do I am I really that passionate about it? Um, but I think like. And, and, and that's where the, the second part of the tweet comes in, I think, which is, you, you know, you get known for one thing. That doesn't mean that you have to do just that one thing. Um, for example, if you're an, an engineering firm, you might be known for um, your work in, in machine learning and, and, and doing all of these great things, for example, with uh, manufacturing companies. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be the rest of your life, you will be approached for 
a lot of other things that are related. Once people see you as an expert in your field, it becomes a lot easier to branch off and, and do other things because you already have that authority. Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful point. There are a lot of people today that we would call gurus or personal brands and they start off with one thing, maybe like fitness or whatever. And then they start giving advice on other aspects of life because they've created that clout and people trust their judgment. Right. So that, yeah. that's a, that is a really interesting point. Let's, let's move on to um, another tweet that you pumped out. It was on a pyramid image that I really enjoyed. And <laughs> um, we, we can't, we can't display that image because this is a podcast, but to give the listeners an idea, it was a pyramid with blocks as they are made and an individual carrying a wheelbarrow from a pile of bricks. And there were different layers to the pyramid. Can, can you walk us through that, that image? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first of all, clearly this was a magnificent piece of, of fine art. <laughs> let, let me just begin by, by establishing this fact. Um, but yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a pyramid and the pyramid consists of three different layers. And I, I drew this while I was working on, on an article for, for my blog, um, about branding and, and logo design and, you know, where do all of these different pieces fit in? And so the top layer of the pyramid is, is the logo. Um, the one underneath it is the the brand identity or the visual identity. And then the kind of base layer is, is the brand. Um, and this guy with the wheelbarrow, he's carrying the, the building blocks from this uh, pile of blocks, um, which I lab labeled like strategy. Um, and, and I think this is, it, the image kind of illustrates at least my approach to branding. And I, I know a lot of other people's approach to branding, which is, you know, brand is, is really a lot more than just your logo or your the colors that you use or the typography that you use. It's really about people's gut feeling towards your, your company. It's, a, it's essentially like the, the commercial version of, of a reputation or an, an image um, that you might cultivate as, as a human being, right? Um, and that kind of the brand um, is, is kind of the, the base layer. And then you have all of these visual elements that reinforce and, and represent the brand. Um, and, and all of these things, they, they're kind of informed or made up by the, the overall strategy that you, that you take towards, towards your brand. Um, for example, you know, do you want to be known as the... Um, I, I don't know if, if you're a car, <laughs> if you're a car showroom or something like that, do you want to be known as kind of the, the boutique vintage car, um, place for, for enthusiast collectors, or are you, do you want to be known as kind of, oh, we sell cars for the everyday man? Um, or do you want to be known as, oh, this is kind of the, the shady place where you might get a good deal, but, um, you, you might also get screwed over, but at least you'll have a really cheap car. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's kind of the, the gist of the image. So to kind of guide listeners to this podcast episode, we are now picking one thing that we are interested in that we could definitely get passionate about over time as we get better because we develop a proficiency and this is creating that foundation of the pyramid like you're talking about. So we need to 
bring in more strategy, talk to experts like you to kind of cultivate this image that will do the advertising while you're sleeping, right? So like, <laughs> this is something that builds over time. It builds a lot of momentum. You can branch off to other related fields. One thing I want to point out here and kind of get your take on is what happens when we experience a market correction? You know, when a recession comes in or something that affects the economy, is a personal brand a good safety net, a good way to protect yourself from, um, you know, exterior forces that would influence people's buying behavior? Wow, that's a that's a huge question. Um, I, I guess I will start by by answering it not specifically to to personal branding, but branding in general, uh, which is really where my expertise lies. Um, and I, I think like anyone with a strong brand is going to be more recession proof because what brand does is essentially it builds customer loyalty. And so you, you, you won't have as many kind of fair weather friends or fair weather customers who are only with you when, you, you know, when the money is, is good and, and they can afford to, to pay premium pricing or whatever it might be. Um, but then as soon as, things get a little tougher, they, they start looking for, for cheaper options. Brand loyalty is, is really what can, it, it can be the difference really between bankruptcy and, and, and making it through a, a, um, a recession or, or, or a depression. Um, as far as personal branding goes, I mean, there, there are so many different applications for personal branding. Um, a lot of the time people talk about personal branding in, in terms of kind of you branding yourself as a professional um, to, to increase the, your attractiveness to, to potential employers, right? Um, other times people talk about it in terms of becoming an influencer online and, and selling um, info products or, or doing brand deals or something like that. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to answer that question. Um, but yeah, I think in general, of course, if you're well known and if you've set yourself apart from from other people in your field whom you're competing with, that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the beauty of, of creating a, a brand of any sort, I would assume a personal brand is that it's a form of inbound marketing, right? You, you've, you've, provided a lot of value and people go to you because they trust you and, and you, you want them to succeed. Right. Yeah. So uh, they just come, keep coming back. There's no point in going elsewhere because you've developed that trust and um, that loyalty that goes very far. So th the goal I assume is to create raving fans. So how do we do that? Wow. That's another <laughs> fantastic question. Um, how do you build raving fans? Well, are, are Perhaps we should clarify, are we talking here specifically about personal brands? Yes, let's do so that. So paint the, paint the picture for me. Like, what, who are you? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And then we can try to figure something out. Let's have a random guy that's interested in starting uh, an online fitness program. And he wants to be a personal brand starting on social media. Uh, he just doesn't know how to engage with customers in a way that really creates that connection. So how would he do that? Right. That's a, okay. Um, well, well, I think first and foremost, I mean, there are so many different platforms on which you can, can become known. Um, and I, I think 
kind of the first step or one of the first steps should be to figure out where you're most comfortable. Is it being on video? Is it being, um, you, you know, doing a podcast or is it writing? Is it, you know, taking beautiful images and, and photography and posting it on Instagram? Um, so finding your medium and, you, you know, might be short form writing or might be long form writing if you're a writer. Um, so I, I think that's one of the first things. I, I, a lot of people get lost in the social media landscape where they'll try to be on every platform from the get-go. Mm, yeah. And usually that doesn't really work out because what happens is you end up taking a lot of shortcuts where you're trying to, to cross-promote and, and, and trying to fit Instagram content onto Twitter or uh, blog content onto Facebook. And you're less likely to, to have an impact that way. Um, because you're not playing to the specific um, and, and unique conditions of each platform. So that's number one. And then number two is just being very prolific. Um, I mean, some of the people that, that I've worked with in, in the personal branding sphere, like Ed Lattimore or Alexander Cortez, you'll notice that they are constantly making stuff and, and producing content on Twitter um, as, as kind of their main uh, ways to to raise awareness and to get people into their audience, and then once they are actually into the audience, it, it's it's all about creating kind of layers of of involvement or of engagement. So once you've followed one of these guys on on Twitter for a while you might get subscribed to their newsletter because they posted something really great on Twitter and then they say, hey, I'm going to elaborate on this through my newsletter. Um, and, and so then you kind of, you as a, as a fan or a follower, you increase your level of involvement with that specific influencer and, and you feel a little bit closer to them. You feel like you know them a little bit better, um, not least because they start sharing more personal things and and they start really showing who they are um, the deeper into it that, that you go. So I, I, I think that's, that's another aspect of it is just having those, making sure it's not the, the interaction between you and your, your followers isn't just surface level, um, but actually meaningful and, um, and, and, and genuine in, in some kind of way. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that I, I think, I, I mean, there's so much that, that you can say about this topic that it, I'm, I'm almost getting a little bit overwhelmed because I have so many ideas in, in my mind. But I think those are kind of the, the fundamentals um, and just sharing honestly with people about your life, um, things you're going through and, and how it specifically how it relates to to what you're talking about in general and what they can learn from it because it's one thing to to just kind of blurt out every every single thing or, or secret that you have um which feels kind of narcissistic and self-indulgent it's another thing to actually pivot that into something that can bring value to other people yeah there's a lot of points you mentioned that we can we could branch off on and yeah <laughs> Uh, I think the lesson here is, you know, th like you said, this is the foundation, you know, the yeah. fundamentals that we're talking about. So do your own research and dive into those 
different aspects. Um, I just, one thing, one comment is the, you know, creating an email list is probably a good idea for that recession proof discussion we had earlier, um, <laughs> uh, to really create that engagement, right. To build that trust. And, and, and so people can be very particular about who they spend their time reading and learning about and, and ultimately purchasing from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really love email lists and in, in, in general, I think it's, if you treat it right, I mean, it's it's such an intimate thing because people are l- literally letting you into their inbox, which is already, you know, one of the most time-consuming tasks is is reading all of your emails, right? And you're saying like, hey, you bring me enough value that I will actually give you direct access to my inbox, and and that is such a a, a vote of confidence, I think. And I mean, it shows too if you compare and a post on on Instagram or on on Twitter that might get seen by 1% or half a percent of your total following but an email that you sent send out is going to be read by you know 30% 40% of of everyone on your list so you have people's attention and you also you own the platform you own the list right something could happen to Twitter or or to Instagram where much like they did on on Facebook, where they just kill all organic engagement. But that's never going to happen to email because there are no algorithms. There are no, um, you you know, advertisers that that need um, exposure. So you, yeah, it's a very raw form of communication with with your audience. That's a good point. And it makes you think with Instagram's desire to remove likes and and follower counts, if I'm not... um, yeah. There, that's also going to affect those businesses. So they have to consider, do they stay on Instagram? Do they move elsewhere? Um, these things can't be predicted and you need to have that safety net. Yeah. So uh, what is your take on personal branding? Personal branding. Okay. So I, <laughs> um, so I've got a little bit of a, of a controversial opinion, I, I guess, on, on personal branding that I shared on Twitter, ironically, on my personal profile um, <laughs> a few months ago. But I, I think, in general, there's this trend of, of people trying to build personal brands when they really don't have a reason to do so other than, you know, trying to make, um, you know, make a quick buck, where you, you'll see... On, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, on YouTube, everywhere, you see these, it's mostly guys and they're usually in, in their 20s, just like, just like I am. Um, but they're trying to, to make themselves out to be, to be experts on business, online business, or, or drop shipping or e-commerce, when really they, they don't have anything to, to show for it. Uh, they don't have the the receipts, as as they say, um, and they haven't put in the the amount of work and, and time into learning about whatever it is they're talking about, e-commerce, fitness, whatever, um, to actually call themselves experts. And they're trying to kind of take a shortcut to get to the positions of, of people like Gary Vaynerchuk or, or some of the more prominent personal trainers or fitness experts. Um, or marketing experts without actually putting in, you know, 10 years of, of work or 15 years of work learning their craft. 
Yeah, no, it, it's, it's everywhere. And uh, it's an excellent point because it does go against the grain and it makes you think uh, of with, whether your lifestyle warrants this personal brand to begin with. And if it doesn't, get to work, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, John, to close this interview, can you give listeners an idea of where they can find you online and any projects you're currently involved in? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find my Twitter, which is where I'm most active on, on social media, um, at John L. Pearson. And you can find my agency website at cultmethod.com. And we work with small businesses, um, both online and offline, to create really effective brand strategies and, and develop stronger brands. Amazing. John, thank you so much for this interview. It was great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, take care. You too.